What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Dipped in Tone. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. And we are uh, we're back. Again, still back. new year, it, new us. Yeah, it, you know, it feels, it's funny because since shifting to recording these things in advance yep. and like planning, then it feels like I've forgotten how to do this. <laughs> yeah, you mean like actually doing this like a real uh, pro podcast and right. taking it seriously? I know. It's weird. It's It's a funny thing. So... I just saw you yesterday, but how literally you doing? yesterday, twenty four hours ago, basically to the the dot. You and I were at one Carter Vintage Guitars drink, and mm-hmm. um, we what were we doing over there? We were playing a whole smattering of stuff from literally the most expensive thing you could possibly buy <laughs> to the most not the most entry level, but. The most standard of standard entry-level instruments. Yeah, I'm not sure if this the video will be live on my channel by the time this goes up, because um, I'm mm-hmm. trying to bank some episodes. I'm going to be traveling um, in February, March, going over to Europe for a few weeks. But basically, we had access to a few late 50s Les Pauls that were all yeah. beat up and dinged up and scratched and old and ugly and everything. Terrible. Yeah, not worth it. Uh, and comparing it to... <laughs> Your uh, your blueberry over there. Do you have it with you? Where is it? It's it's in the shop. It's in its bag okay. in, in another room. But yeah, my my bright blue Epiphone Les Paul standard. And, and then we we compared it to some other things as well. Dude, it's it's fun. It's a good time. It's so uh, it's great. And I bought some well, gear from Carter yesterday. But... You did talk about that. Well, oh oh okay now okay. One of them. Well, is you don't have to. Yeah, one's going to be a shill, but the other okay. thing I'm going to talk about, and I'll have to t- post a picture of it because I already patched everything into my system over here. But mm-hmm. um, for a while, I've been looking for a good reverb tank, good Fender reverb tank, and um, right. we actually grabbed one to film with yesterday because I like having some reverb. And uh, it, yeah, it's just a '70s silver panel Fender tube reverb tank, and uh, it was on consignment, and I got it for a good deal. And you know, it's for me, it's less about having it for a guitar, and it's more about using it to record and mix with. I want to put vocals and stuff through it and just have a huge, lush, springy, drippy reverb. Right. So, yeah. Sweet, 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 sweet. Um, well, that's fun. Yeah. I have been just head down on the keyboard uh, designing circuits uh, for... Hopefully, they'll be, they'll be uh, able to see the light of day in the next couple months, but we got some fun things cooking and i've, I've been we, because the guys have been killing it matthew's been killing it and every time there's an order we just ship it and so we're like uh what do we do we now standing inventory like, what do we do so now i'm just trying to design more stuff should so, we plug the thing you and i are doing yet or should we wait not yet okay not yet it's it not will, the fuzz we're count. doing something different it's yeah well <laughs> yeah it has something but to anyway. do uh, oh shit! It's patched in. Never mind. I was gonna do a whole thing, but it's patched in. You wanna you wanna thank the sponsor of today's episode? Absolutely. Today's sponsor is the same as last time's sponsor. That's Sweetwater. And today we're gonna talk a little bit about the gear exchange. Now you might remember I purchased. We talked about it, and I did do this. I bought this Voodoo Lab Analog Chorus on uh, the Sweetwater Gear Exchange. But their gear exchange is just their used um, used gear uh shopping website yeah basically it's their it's their classified section if you will and the cool thing the thing that i like about it is 
you know, oftentimes when you're selling gear, when I sell gear, it's generally in an effort to purchase new gear or to get something a step ahead or something different. And uh, yeah, you can basically sell your gear on the marketplace and then use that as uh, use that money that you earn on Sweetwater uh, with no seller's fee. So it's actually a pretty cool system. That's right. Yeah. And it's the fee if you want to take the payout, you know, to your bank or whatever is, is pretty minor. And it's, um, but the fact that you can get the money with no transaction fees and uh, just bank that and put it towards something new, that's, I don't know, that's a pretty smart thing, Sweetwater. Yeah. So, it's, it's pretty genius. And when you tie that in with their, their guitar gallery and the, the whole inspection, it, especially if you're selling a guitar, you're selling a couple guitars to move up to something, you could basically just waive the, the seller's fee and go straight into a new guitar from Guitar Gallery. That's right. So go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. That's our link. And uh, you can get links to all this great stuff. I just bought, uh, I'm trying to be like JHS. Look, I got a mic. Look mute, at you. I have one, but I got it's on another. Oh, that's right. And then I got another power conditioner from Sweetwater. I've been buying all sorts of stuff. So yeah, check little, it out. Little pro tip uh, if you're in the content creation world, get you one of these little rolls, uh, mic mute switches. I have it for my shotgun. So, because there's nothing worse than when you're like playing guitar and you can hear the plink of the strings coming through the mic on top of your sound. So I use that all the time. There you go. Also, I uh, want to shout out to our Patreon. Uh, we are in the Discord chat live. If you want to join us live when we are recording episodes, uh, you can join the Patreon. This is also where we get our rigs to dip. So all links and information are down in the description, all the different tiers you can join up. And that's how you get access to the Dipped in Tone Discord server, which is uh, pretty right. active. Yeah, and you can uh, get special discounts on uh, my website, Rhett's stuff, Premier Guitar's stuff, and uh, depending on what level you want to, to be at. And there's some fun uh, little uh, uh, perks when you move up the tiers so check it out yeah all everything's linked down below thanks to sweetwater for sponsoring today thanks to the uh patrons and everyone in the discord and uh with that you want to dip somebody's rig well before we do that let's uh let's pay our respects to two heroes that have fallen recently uh mr jeff beck and mr david crosby recently passed away and um i i never got to meet jeff beck unfortunately i did get to see him play once but i did get to meet david crosby and he was a delightful human being and complimented my guitar playing, which is something wow. I, will, I will never forget. So did you meet him yeah, at but, uh, Carter? Drink? I met him at Carter and I was, he was just there hanging out and, uh, and I was in a room playing uh, guitar for some people like ch- demoing it uh, to try to sell some things. And, and he stuck his head in the window of one of the demo rooms and just stared at me. And then he was like, ah, and then he <laughs> told some other people working there, like, hey, that guy's really good. I was like, oh my God. Wow. But he he was a super nice guy. Um and, and what a you know, what a talent. Um, you know. Yeah, I never met either so one of them, know. but I did see Jeff Beck play one time at uh, Crossroads in twenty nineteen. Me and my dad went mm-hmm. out there for a father son trip because, you know, I, I grew up watching those crossroads DVDs and me and my dad would yeah. buy a, buy the whole DVD set whenever they would come out and like sit and watch them together. So when they did 2019, we bought tickets and went. And um, the first night, Jeff Beck headlined. And uh, we were there with Rick Beato. And he was friends or is friends with uh, the front of house engineer for Jeff Beck, who was Dave Natal, who still mixes on uh, an analog Sony console, by the way. I saw him last hmm. year. He was mixing front of house for um, the Black Crows when they came through. And um I got to go see both Jeff Beck and the Black Crows from the front of house booth. And 
pro just a quick aside here props to dave because in in a very digital world of of mixing front of house shows he's still using an old like sony board from the 80s and you know no no digital screens no presets it's all just knobs faders and vu meters and um I mean, it sounds great. And dude's been running front of house for like the Rolling Stones for 20 years and everything. So, but nice. that was something I'll never forget is being able to watch Jeff Beck for the first time standing next to the console. And for those of you that saw him live, you, you know what I'm talking about? It was nobody sounds like Jeff Beck. It's impossible. You can't do it. No. Yeah. I, I saw him. I, <laughs> so lucky i won tickets from lightning 100 in nashville to see him at the Ryman. wow and nice where uh the the seats were it was it felt like they were perfectly aligned with the top two speakers of his his slant four by 12 uh because he was just playing like a marshall half stack and those top two speakers it seemed like they were pointed right at me <laughs> and it sounded so good i mean and i've i've you know listened to jeff beck for years in, you know, not, I'm not a huge connoisseur of all of his music, mm. but I do respect him and, and enamored by his guitar playing, but seeing him live was so just awe inspiring. And it's, it was an incredible experience. Yeah. You know, um, it, I think it was Tyler from music is when tweeted when he died. That was like, you know, who the best guitar player is when all the best guitar players are saying he's the best guitar player. And <laughs> right. I think that was true of Jeff Beck. He was like your favorite guitar player's favorite guitar player. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, both, both him and, uh, David Crosby will be missed. So. Absolutely. Well, on a lighter note, let's dip a rig. Here we go. I think you'll like this one. A bam. Nope. Still waiting for it to come through. Ooh. Oh, I okay, do indeed me, like this one. Let me get the the email about this. Here it is. Okay, this is from Mr. Ryan Patterson. And uh, he's a new patron and just discovered the show. And he said this is the two-guitar version of his rig. And uh, it's just for like playing with with friends. And so what we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is an original 1959 Gibson ES345 handed down from his father. Wow. That he grew up playing he grew up playing that guitar on and off. Um and then he also has a uh, Eric Johnson uh Rosewood board strat which is a fabulous strat in its own right. A 62 basement head with a 19 with a, a basement cab loaded with 70s Gillette, uh, Celestian G12H speakers and uh on his board real real nice board here. We've got the Strymon OB-1, the Sunset, the Deco, the Dig, the Lex, the Blue Sky. <laughs> he has a radial switcher, uh, a uh, original CE2, a mini Tube Screamer, Polytune, uh, and a I guess that's an Ernie Ball volume, but the jacks are on the, the jacks side. The jacks on the side, which is weird. Is that yeah? Is that an expression, perhaps? Could be, may, does Ernie Ball do like a dual expression? Because it could be a dual expression with two different. Uh, Maybe so. He doesn't mention it. He says that the uh, the big shot, the radial ABY box is switching channels on the basement because they're in phase with one another. So you can mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. um, but no, he doesn't mention what that is. But yeah, it looks like it's. It looks like it might be wired to the Lex. I think that's oh, what it is. That, yeah, so, so it's I probably think that, an expression. Probably expression. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay. That 335? 345. Wait. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, okay. 
It's the stereo yeah, switch, the, the veritone switch. This, on the, yeah. Mm-hmm, the split parallelogram inlays <sighs> and gold hardware. Wow. So that's yeah. 59. So that's got PAFs in it, correct? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's all there. Uh, I mean, come on. <laughs> what do you. It's real and, good. And the fact that it's uh, it was handed down from his, uh, his dad, you said? Yeah. The thing I liked about the 59 335s that I wish they would have kept is the long pick guard. Um, I love that. I love how it goes right down to the ABR. Yeah, because mine is a 61 reissue. Three thirty-five, right? But it has the short guard, and it's not an ugly guitar by any means. But when you look at, I just think the long guard fits the guitar better because it's a big guitar; it's a big body, you know. Right, and you have to think, you know, when that guitar came out, the other guitars they were making were huge (laughs) hollow bodies that all had gigantic (laughs) pit guards on them. But, but yeah, I mean, if you've never had the opportunity to play any vintage ES three whatever uh guitar they really are just uh it, it there, there's the joke that's what's the best list paul ever made the es335 and so like that sort of thing is like once you experience it firsthand it's kind of hard to go back yeah to, 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 to some other guitars the only thing about those guitars that are funny um is because they have the veritone uh they're out of phase in mm. the middle position and sometimes well I, well hold on no, no scratch that ES three fifty fives because there's most of them are stereo. Excuse me, never mind. Those I've always struggled on the differences between three thirty five, forty five, and fifty five, and the various mm-hmm. models. I know the forty fives and fifty fives have the veritones and everything, but right, you know. So the 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 ES three three fifty five is basically the Les Paul uh, custom of of that lineage, the electric so it, Spanish line. Right. So it has the has an ebony board blocks uh more ornate binding uh yeah i mean that's that's the biggest thing is the, is the ebony blocks and 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 the vintage ones were usually stereo so yeah. then you could send you could buy that vintage gibson stereo amp mm-hmm. and send the neck to one channel and the the bridge to another channel is wacky very thing. practical and, and usable for sure <laughs> right. um eric johnson strap those are great i i almost bought one of those 10 years ago when i ended up buying my the mayor signature strat that I have, I ca- came down between that one and an Eric Johnson strat. Dude, those Eric, those EJ strats are great. And they're, they're, they're really good. Pretty affordable still. Right. I mean, they're, cause they made a ton of them. Yeah. And I mean like that essentially is like custom shop spec, but on a standard production spec instrument. And mm-hmm. they're, they're really great. Yeah. Um, I love amp- an ebony board strat too. Yeah. The, oh. the amp. So that's an ox blood, um, basement. I mean, dude, so yeah, sixty-two. So it's a brown panel, mm-hmm. uh, and then the ca- the cab. He says it's all is is recovered, but but yeah, vintage looking Fender cab, but loaded with Celestians. I mean, like those basements, any early basements like this that have the the, the normal and the and the and the bass channel. They just they, they're 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 so close to a Marshall. Yeah, um, they really are, and they just. They just rip when you crank them. So. Yeah, and did he say if that one's modded or stock? Because I know a lot of these were were modded to within an inch of their life. Yeah, uh, it doesn't say. Okay, um, but I mean, I feel like with with this pedal board and all these all the options he got there, you well, you just need something loud that works and sounds good. So the pedal board. Okay, obviously we've got a uh, a Strymon fan here. Um, yes, sir. I too am a Strymon fan, and I've owned. Mm, Let's see. The OB-1, I used to have one of those. I, mm-hmm. I have the Deco. 
uh, but I've never owned the Sunset, the Dig, the Lex, or the Blue Sky. Yeah. Um, what do you think? What do you think about the board situation? You know, honestly, like if 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 you had to cover a lot of ground, and you know, you want to do like anything in your head, I think for the most part, with most folks, could get done with this. Sunset has Sunset is an awesome overdrive pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, it can do so much, and then the dig is again a fabulous delay. Um, the Lex is a killer rotary. It's like, what can't you do with this? And then, you know, you couple in the, the Tube Screamer and the CE2, and there you go. You have, like, a smorgasbord of, like, every classic guitar tone almost. Yeah, truly. basically. And I'm happy to see the Lex on there, which is, like, the Leslie emulator. Because I feel right. like Leslie is sort of a slept-on. Like, rotary is, is a slept-on effect for guitar. Um, there's a few guys like Josh Smith that really rely on it and, and do awesome stuff with it. But... A lot of people don't use it, and you should, man. It's really cool. You can do a lot of cool stuff with a with a rotary effect. Um, yeah. Obviously, the it, deco on the board. I'm a massive fan of. Anytime you see a deco, I, I give I have to give bonus points for that. Yeah. Um, the rotary thing is funny though because I feel like um, it's such. It, once you hear a real one, and have you played a guitar yeah. through a rotary? It's mm-hmm. like no pedal compares well yeah because you can't it's a different thing of like it's just the physics of mimicking a rotary coming out of a 112 or a 212 speaker cabinet versus an actual spinning rotary speaker or a pair of like a horn and a drum spinning like it's a completely different thing yeah it's 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 a remarkable experience if you ever get to try it like anybody listening please if someone says hey you want to play this please just take the time well, and do okay it. Re- so remind me when we're done dipping this rig i have i stumbled into like two weeks ago i think i sent you a polo of this a oh, pseudo right. stereo rotary effect that was a complete accident that kind of blew my mind so yeah. um okay so i like the board i like the Strymon stuff i am a little like I kind of wish it wasn't all Strymon. That's a little weird to me. Um, other, I don't know why. I mean, all the yeah, well, all the Strymon <laughs> stuff is great. It just it's I don't, there's so much other great stuff out there other than just Strymon. I I would say I would tell Ryan to explore a little bit. Like it seems like we're kind of stuck on the on the the Strymon brand train here a little bit. Um, so I'd say keep the Deco, keep the Lex, keep the Blue Sky. The dig is cool. The dig is like their de- uh, digital delay. Yeah, like a digital rack delay. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. You can do a lot yeah. of cool stuff with that. Um, the sunset I've played, it's really good. Uh, it's all digital, right? The the sunset's a digital yeah. overdrive, but it sounds good. It yeah. works. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. I just just kind of like. <laughs> hmm. That's what that's what I, that's what it makes me do is huh. It's an odd juxtaposition between. Like if you didn't look at the the pedal board, you would see this this guitar in an amp situation. And be like, oh hell, yeah. You know, what what pedals you need? And you see that, and you're like, oh okay, okay. But he says um, he does like funky jazz, bass rock, blues, and root stuff, and then some '80s infused chorus clean stuff. So like, I okay, mean, I don't know. I get I it. Get he it. says he's a sucker for deals on Strymon pedals, so he probably like nab all these at a good price. Okay, and I mean. Hell, if it isn't convenient, they all sit right next to each other and plug I mean, in. I mean, I mean yeah, you know, it's it's a thing. I would just say, Ryan, explore the space a little bit, you know? Explore the explore the How the about pedals. some mythos on that board? Hey, brother, let me tell you something. <laughs> I got this buddy built pedals mythos. Good God, look out. He's pretty good. All right. <sighs> what do you think? I'm trying to decide if I'm deducting points for the, the all Strymon 
bottom row there or not. I mean, I thought you were going to deduct for the mini tube screamer. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that. Ah. Pretend it's not there. Um, I mean, no, honestly. So here's the deal. In this context, I actually, I get the tube screamer thing. I do. Cause fender amp strat, know, blah, blah. strat mid scooped amp. Like that's, that's not mid scoop. That amp has, has plenty of mids. There's no, yeah, scoop. yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever. I, I get it. It's, I'll allow it on this one. Um, the all Strymon thing is is bugging me though. Love the guitars, love the amp, love the category of effects you've picked. You've curated curated a really nice combination of sounds. You're stalling. Come on, nine nine flat nine point I'm deducting okay. a point for all Strymon. I want to get. I'll give it to him. Nine point one. <laughs> There's your point back. Price is right rules. That's right. <laughs> One dollar, Bob. No, okay. I do. I I do like it. It's a. I love. I love the three forty five, the Strat, the basement, and I, I the the pedal board's cool. Just explore the space a little bit. Hey, that's just like your opinion, man. Hey, man. Okay, so my my pseudo rotary thing. Can I tell you about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I was up here a few weeks ago, and um, I had my Skylark. And I was using the Tweed because I think I showed it on the pod, the, the Acorn solid state that I got. Yeah. So I was messing around with the solid state, which if you don't know, the solid state is a pedal that is a 10 watt, basically PV amp and a pedal. And it's got a speaker out on the side. Yep. Um, and so I had the main output of the pedal going through uh, the poly Bebo, the really cool multi-effect, the touchscreen thing. And that was going into my Skylark. And then I had just the speaker out of the uh, the acorn going into just the speaker of the tweed. So it was like, that makes sense. It was replacing yeah. the tweed amp with the acorn, so to speak. So it was like a wet dry setup. And I turned on a, uh, I believe it was a chorus. And mm-hmm. with the two amps, they were at 90 degrees to one another in the room. So the Skylark was firing this way and the the tweed was firing this way and when i turned on the chorus it was on a really fast setting and no joke it was like i was sitting next to a leslie because of the way the the phase was happening in the room it was a true like i had to take a second and i had to unplug the skylark because i thought that somehow the the chorus effect was getting into the the tweed speaker because it was that apparent like it literally confused me for a minute i was like what is happening and it was Weird. like no the tweed speaker was dry but just the phase happening in the chorusing from the skylark gave me this fully three-dimensional stereo rotary thing literally like there was a, a leslie in the room and it was awesome that's that's cool isn't that fun when you yeah. discover that phase man it's like when you learn what frequency your door vibrates or something in your practice space. You're like, <laughs> or like what you find the resonant frequency of like your bathroom or something. And you just <laughs> yeah. sit there and hum that frequency over and over. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, getting into it, this episode, we're going to talk about getting a gig. Because yes. one of our, our patrons had mentioned this. I made a post asking uh, for some topics of discussion and i can't find who asked it um but somebody asked like how do you go about finding uh people play with uh getting a gig you know what 
what's your advice for for landing a spot in a band? So you said you were just talking about this with some of your pals. Yeah. So so me and uh, Chris and Phil before we started work today, we were actually talking about this because yesterday, um, right before we left Nashville and came home, we went to the uh, the East Nashville Guitar Club. Have you heard about this? Mm. Yes, I've seen I've seen uh, photos on Facebook. Uh, so uh, Jack Roosh and Guthrie Trap started this and it's relatively new if you're in the nashville area and you're a guitar player it's like once a month um and they're, they're not sponsoring the show or anything i just went and thought it was a cool thing it's a it's a, like yeah. a sunday jam at the the underdog in east nashville from like two to five and we only had time to stop by for like 20 or 30 minutes but we stuck our head in and um it was great man they had a pretty big turnout and there was a band on stage and it was just like a straight ahead jam and what i noticed was there was a lot of young players there um some of them were belmont guys talked to a few of them right um and it was really cool to see man like it it was like a a mostly young crowd or crowd of players that were like in the scene trying to make it trying to figure it out and they were just they had the space to get up on stage with a great rhythm section and just get reps and I think especially mm-hmm. when you're young, that's super important. And I think that's one of the best ways to try and land a gig. If you are in some kind of town or city where there's a jam happening or there's an open mic, anything like that where there's a group of musicians getting together to to make music on a semi-regular basis, you should be there because you have to be present to win, you know? 100%. Yeah, I mean, I think that early on in anybody's career – that's all you can do is just go and be a face in the community and, uh, and, and practice, you know, but wh- how do you, cause it's been so long since I've been in a band and I've never just auditioned for a band or joined something out of the blue that wasn't with people that I didn't already know. Mm-hmm. Um, like have you gone down that journey of, I mean, for the stuff that you've been, have you, have you always auditioned or like, how? no, did it, how I've, did it I've never done a straight ahead audition. Mm-hmm. I have helped like conduct auditions before, um, a few years ago with muddy Magnolias. We needed to find a new drummer and we held like two days of auditions and we ended up going with someone that we knew like a friend recommended, um, guy named Timmy Jones. Shout out to, Timmy, I think he's playing with Chris Tomlin now. Um, but yeah, that it's like you hear this talked about a lot that it's all who you know, and it it really yeah. is, at least in my experience, man. It's every gig, every opportunity that I've had, big and small, has all come from a recommendation or a friend asking me or a friend recommending me. And so that's why I always say, like, in this industry, building relationships is the most one of the most important things, you know? Yeah. And I think that finding and and oftentimes, um, you know, if you're in a big area and there's jams and stuff, there's usually going to be some sort of Facebook group or some sort of group um, online somewhere that you can like see when things are happening and you can try to go and plug into the community. I think the biggest thing and, and the hardest thing for me, like doing everything that I've had to do in the past couple of years is like getting over my shyness yeah. and being able just to, to like go to a place and say hi and like plug in and not feel worried and panicked. And I think when you're, especially if you're like, you know, if you're going to see Guthrie trap play and undoubtedly there's going to be players in the room who can, you know, on paper play circles around you. You cannot let that 
stop you from wanting to try to play music dude it's a real thing the fear like you know i when i graduated aim there was a jam happening in atlanta a guy named francisco vidal would would host at his place called tavern 99 down in buckhead unfortunately it's not still there i wish it was because it was like a monday night open jam and i met like people i'm still friends with benjamin forehand you Mm -hmm. know guys like that i met down there uh the first time i ever saw david ryan harris play was at that jam and it was cool because it was in like super open place where anyone could get up and you weren't going to get vibed um yeah but i remember being so just terrified the first few times i went and like actually getting the guts up to to go and play because yeah you're you're in the room with with players that can absolutely smoke you but if it's a good jam and i want to shout out the east nashville guitar club because i think they've done a good job of curating of like making a space where it seems and feels really inclusive like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how old you are or your skill level like there were people up there that were playing that were pretty new and you know they we're kind of figuring it out, but then we'd get done and the, the, the group of people there would applaud and it was super supportive. And then you'd get someone up there that was like, could like really shred, shred and kill yeah. it. And it was, it was equally supportive. So I think finding the right jam, if you have options, if you live in a space where there's options is really important because sometimes it, it can be a little like you can get vibed pretty hard. Um, but oh yeah, you know, I think it is worth, trying to set that fear aside just get out there and do it you know yeah and and you know to that end if you don't live in a large uh metropolitan area you you might live you know within driving distance and for some of these things it might be worth especially if you know you don't have this sort of opportunity to play with other human beings to make a point to travel and do it you know make a weekend of it or something so that you can just get that experience under your belt because there is nothing like in in the bands I've been in, there have been a few instances where I've played with people who spent their entire guitar playing career just playing in a bedroom, mm-hmm. not with other human beings. And while usually it's okay, um, you can definitely tell when you're playing with someone who doesn't understand the function of being in a band. Yeah. And, you know, that is... Um, it can be really infuriating. And I'm sure you've dealt with this too, where you're playing with someone who, you know, they're, they're finally able to, to run and they're just going to go as fast as they can. You know, the, the loud, all the riffs, all the reverb. And it's like, Hey, yo, we're playing, you know, R and B tunes or something, you know? Yeah. You just have to really, I don't know. That's something well, I think is very important. The thing about that is there's only one way to learn that, especially when you're young. And the only way to learn it is to actually get up on stage and do that. And then yeah. figure out the hard way that that's not <laughs> that's not the best way to do it. I think honestly, this is what what me and Chris and Phil were talking about this morning was when you're young, because we we're kind of sharing some horror stories of you know when I was twenty twenty one, just getting out and starting to play out around Atlanta. Like I would play a bar gig in Buckhead, sometimes two bar gigs in a night. Go home, change my shirt. Saturday night, you know, get home at four thirty, five o'clock, change my shirt, jump back in my car and drive straight to sound check for a church gig on Sunday morning and play, you know, three services and, and, and do that. And in some ways it was absolutely miserable, but in some ways right. I was like, 
craving that and hungry for it because what it did is it gave me those reps. It was just reps on stage. And, you know, I, I've talked a little bit about my experience in the church world and kind of how it was really terrible in a lot of ways and really toxic in a lot of ways. Uh, and it's something I'll never go back to, but I am really thankful for the years that I spent playing at these mega churches because for three, four, five days a week between rehearsals and services and sound checks and everything, I was on stage with pro players, like people right. that were 10, 15, 20 years older than me, guys that were, you know, real, real players, especially the rhythm sections, the drummers and bass players taught me a lot, man, a lot. Sure. Well, talking about the gig thing or the cover gig thing, because I think, I mean, obviously, unless you're playing music and you have friends or find someone who's doing original stuff, I mean, playing covers is going to be how you're going to cut your teeth. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I get, I see, and I hear people ask a lot is, you know, what songs do I need to know? And that is such a, a rabbit hole, but something that I think that when you want to start getting into this world, um, you, you really have to dive in and go to gigs and see what people are playing. Yeah. So you can start making a list of things that you need to, to have under your belt. And then also, you know, listening to this music, you need to have some sort of knowledge of how to fake it oh, because yeah. being able to fake it, especially if there's another guitarist is I've gone to so many jams at, um, local guitar stores and stuff and I'll, I'll I'll play and then I'll I'm gonna walk away and they're like no stay up here for this one I'm like I don't know this one they're like well it's an E I'm like okay well I know <laughs> I know E so uh, you know I would just fake it and watch other other musicians and and try to pick up the chord progression and stuff if I couldn't just hear it but the value of being able to um, know how to get around your instrument and and be able to pick a key uh -huh. is is so it's so important dude. I had a well. It depends on the cover gig because, right? If you're if you're playing like a wedding band, oh, that's yeah. a very different situation than like a Friday Saturday bar gig in like a college yes. town, right? One hundred percent. Now, I never really did the wedding band thing. I, I I've played a handful of weddings and I would fill in for for friends, but it was it was a lot more high pressure. At least the the situations that I found myself in, where it was like you know, these people are paying a lot of money for this band to be here and they want to hear these songs and it, it's, you know, they need, it needs to sound like the record and all this kind of Man. stuff where it was like pretty heavy. It wasn't just, you need to know the songs. It was okay. We're going to play whatever 40 songs tonight. And you need to know the guitar lines and the hooks and yeah. the tone kind of needs to be right. And when you play the solo, it needs to be the solo, not yeah. like you're not jamming over it. Like they want to hear the solo and all this kind of stuff. And that didn't really work for me. The The other situation I found myself in a lot was that Buckhead bar band was mm -hmm. literally the exact opposite. We would, we never rehearsed ever. And every single time I played that gig, it was a different group of people, different band. Most people's like, I didn't even, I would show up and we'd set up and start playing. And I didn't know the bass player's name. And we, we would right. play for four hours together. And the band leader would just call a tune oftentimes a song I'd never heard of or something. And he would just go, um, he'd yell the changes out in the key six, four, one, five, and E here we go. I was like, all right. Right. And I, it was actually a lot of fun, you know, but, mm -hmm. um, 
yeah, you're right. Like that being on those gig kind of taught me the importance of knowing your fretboard, knowing your triads, knowing your major circle and minor pentatonics, your circle of fists, like being able to get around that stuff real quickly. Uh, yeah. It, yeah, it's, it's important, man. It's a crash course. And, and I think it's, it's something that, that everyone should experience that panic of <laughs> playing music with people that you might not know playing a song you don't know. It's yeah. really, it, it, it can lend itself to be really fun. Oh, it was um, fun for me. Yeah. Do you have any terrible wedding band stories? That was another question people asked our, our worst gig stories. Um, but I have my worst, one of my worst gigs was at a wedding. I No, I don't have it because I didn't do enough wedding band things to have a terrible experience. But I want to hear yours. Well, so I played music with a couple dudes who were uh, from, uh, I think they lived outside Murfreesboro. And... I played one wedding with them and it was just their guitarist dropped out. They had all been playing music together for ages. They were all friends. And, uh, I walked in, we all just like clicked and immediately became friends. We played one wedding. It was awesome. Went off without a hitch. And so like six months later, someone who attended that wedding wanted to hire us to play their daughter's wedding and thought, sure. Okay. They gave us the song list. It was all easy pop stuff, you know, Taylor Swift tunes, all this stuff. We needed a female singer. So Morgan came and, um, we got it. We, we practiced. It seemed like this is going to be easy. We're going to do our thing. We started going to the gig. We get a call that the, the place we were going to play, um, which was going to be outdoors, it started raining. So they're going to move everything inside a, a big metal barn, which <laughs> that great. doesn't bode well. Yeah. <laughs> like a gymnasium. Um, <laughs> uh, so we set up there and my, my best friend was filling in on bass, Ben and Ben, he, he can, you can just like, he, you don't even tell him what key he'll just like, okay, I got it. And he, he's, it's a, a great bassist. He was the first one there and they were asking for all our, where, where are the big PA, where could they plug in their iPod and all this stuff it was like the first thing they wanted to know. And so he was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Mm-hmm. We played every song that they requested they might have danced to one and just stood there and looked at us the whole rest of the time. And we were doing a really good job. They just hated us. And it got to the point where I was wise enough to bring everything to to plug in an iPod to our PA. And we just played Cupid Shuffle for like half an hour. That was the only <laughs> thing that made them happy. It was, and, and we still got paid, but like we drove hours to get to this thing and they hated us yeah, every dude, moment, I, every lick. I can't, the wedding band thing for me is just not in the cards, man. I, I couldn't do it. I, even when I was like really hustling for gigs and trying to get everything I could, the wedding band thing was always the last thing I would try and look for. Cause I just, <sighs> it didn't, didn't vibe with well, me. Well, the other thing, like Morgan, uh, is such a ham like because she was in cover bands and like super professional stuff and she just wants to interact with the audience and she just had to like every in between every song she's like okay who's ready to get out on the dance floor and like no (laughs) one was dancing and then the other singer guy he just got super drunk and like in the middle of a song just walked off and we were like okay (laughs) this is our gig dude at least there was music playing i went to a wedding one time where it was uh it was a dry wedding and for religious purposes and they had a band but they didn't like dancing wasn't encouraged. Like I oh, was a town was, in Footloose. Is that where it yeah, was? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of is that kind of vibe. So, um, yeah, I think one of my worst gig stories that comes to mind is, um, July, God, 2011 or 12. We got 
I got this call to play with this country artist and she was like trying to be an original, you know, country artist thing. And at the time I was really leaning into the, I wanted to play with singer songwriters and get into the original music. So I was excited and, um, got booked by this drummer I went to aim with and we had a few rehearsals and it was not good. Like right. the music wasn't great, but it was a cool gig and, and everything. And sure. I kept asking, like, what's the gig? What, what are we doing? They're like, oh, it's a, it's a festival. We're doing this festival. It's like, all right, cool. South Georgia festival. What it actually was, was a mud bog park. Yeah. In the middle of literally nowhere and somewhere in Georgia. I mean, we were like an hour south of Macon. And I had like my truck, which is four wheel drive. I got stuck trying to get to the stage <laughs> to load in. Like, the stage was just this wooden platform in a literal in the middle of a field of just mud. And they had like yeah. mud drag racing and this giant lake that these massive monster trucks were just like driving through and stuff. It honestly looked like a hell of a good time. Yeah. But it was July <laughs> in the middle of Georgia. So it was a billion degrees and, and a billion percent humidity. Man. Um, they had no water. So it was like I loaded in got all my gear set up was super hot and i asked some guy on stage like hey man you guys have any water and he's like uh no we've got natty light though it's like <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna die if i don't get water so we had to leave and go to a gas station get water got stuck again coming back in had to oh get like God. i had mud under my truck for I, there's probably still mud up under the truck <laughs> it was so bad that like driving home my my whole truck was shaking because i had mud stuck on the inside of the wheel wells and stuff all, off, all balance and then so we finally start playing and um of course it sounded terrible I mean, it was god awful didn't sound good at all and then right. it just poured just dumped <laughs> rain so it was so bad some kid got lost so they stopped our show to get on the vocal mic and say hey we're looking for this kid everyone stop what they're doing it was a whole thing so we just decided to kill it we're done loaded out in the rain my amp all my gear got soaked and then uh, no yeah it drove home covered in mud sweat dehydrated it was awful so <laughs> she asked me for another gig and after that and i was like i'm i'm all good man <laughs> yeah uh Word to the wise, really vet whoever is inviting you to these gigs if you don't know them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I learned a few valuable lessons on that gig. But, I mean, to get back to the thing, it's like you kind of, especially when you're young, you sort of need to say yes to almost everything unless you know yeah. it's going to be a bad situation, right? Like you kind of, you need the reps, man. Like I, I can't emphasize that, that enough. You really need as much experience as you can getting on stage. And, you know, even when they it, suck, they're they're valuable, that's right. There, there is, there's a point where like getting paid and experience is fine. Like in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that, that doesn't last forever. No, but, but yeah, man, I, I've definitely done my fair share of just trying to make it work. And, and when I was a kid, I mean, I grew up in Sparta, which is a tiny little town. And, uh, luckily there was a college town right next door. And so I, I went and jammed with, you know, people all the time, just trying to figure out, like what kind of music I wanted to play. And, uh, you know, that's a valuable thing because yeah. there was just so many like college kids and kids, you know, right out of high school wanting to start bands. And most of it was terrible, mm -hmm. but you, I mean, you don't know. And, and you, you might be setting yourself up if you, if you don't 
give in to those opportunities from meeting some, you know, people who could become lifelong friends, even if you don't end up enjoying playing music with them. Uh, some of my best friends are people that I met like in my days of just dicking around town playing guitar. Dude, you don't know what's going to come out of it. Like I ended up, honestly, like I wouldn't be on YouTube or have done any of the things in my career had I not taken one of those random buckhead bar gigs because right it was one of the first ones i took the drummer on that gig he and i uh like eight months after that he reached out to me and he was like hey i've got this singer songwriter and he needs a guitar player i'm playing with this guy named carl dylan and uh so i went up and i started playing for carl and it was through carl that like i got to go on my first tour ever I got to like we did this battle of the bands in Salt Lake City and won and got to open for mm-hmm. the Beach Boys on July 4th. Um I met Rick Beato through that because Carl did a record at Rick's and that was my first time in a recording studio and then through that I asked them if I could intern and they said yes and then that launched the whole thing with Rick and it was through the Rick connection that I met Noah and started playing with good trouble and then that's where i got into the muddy magnolias gig and started going up to nashville and then that whole thing literally you can trace everything that's happened for me into one shitty dive bar buckhead georgia gig that i don't even know if i got paid for maybe i got paid 50 or 60 bucks right but it happened from one gig one relationship and it all just went from there so yeah so if we have to give people bullet points as to how to get a gig, like if you don't have a band, um, is there anything you would say to people who have a band on how to like play gigs in the beginning? Is it just, just blanket everybody with your, your press kit and stuff? I don't know because I've never been on like the booking side of things. That's, that's a real, you know, just big unknown for me. I've never had to like Mm -hmm. hustle and book shows and do all that stuff. So when I was a kid, uh, the first biggest, the, the, the first big purchase I ever made for myself was a PA granted. It was a Fender passport PA, which was like, I think it was 150 Watts, okay. 75 Watts per side. So okay. not a whole lot of power, but, um, when uh, having that, uh, we just did everything ourselves. Like we would like book little, um, if there was a, a place where you could have events and it was like, you know, hundred dollars or whatever, you know, you just book it and do it yourself. I mean, super punk rock, but I think, you know, if that's, a, if that's what's going to feed, uh, you creatively, artistically, then you just kind of have to chase it and do it and make it happen for yourself. No one's ever going to give you anything. Um, or at least you can't expect anyone to. So I'm of the, the mindset that just, make it happen. So, uh, but anyway, bullet points for, for getting the gig, know your stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, know the gig. And we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, don't bring too much gear. Mm -hmm. Uh, be open to going and doing literally everything. Uh, and what else? Well, I would, I, to put a finer point on the gear side, like bring the appropriate, rig for the gig i didn't mean for that to rhyme but (laughs) because sometimes like especially as you get older and more experienced and you're getting bigger opportunities like sometimes the thing is like you need to bring your your big boy rig and right um 
I would add to that, like when it comes to knowing your stuff, it's not just music and theory and like knowing the parts, it's knowing your gear and knowing how to get good tone. That was something that I spent a lot of time working on because I was interested in it. And it landed me gigs because, you know, especially singers and artists, they don't necessarily care how fast you can play or like how impressive you are as a player. They care how you sound and they care like, can he make the guitar sound like it sounds on my record? And can he play the part like it sounds on the record? Or can he do something that sounds really cool as an inspiring? And when you can do that stuff and when you sound good, that's what people notice. And then honestly, like you will get hired if you sound good and half of sounding good is having good tone. So yeah, know your gear. It doesn't have to, that doesn't mean you have to spend a ton of money on like a bunch of boutique shit. It Mm -hmm. means take what you have and really work on and learn how to get the best sounds you can out of what you have access to. 100%. So awesome. Well, I think that should give hopefully some insight to the people who have had that question rattling around in their brain. Yeah. Um, I think show of the week. Well, well, yeah. One thing I'll, I'll add, it really is, it comes down to relationships. Yeah. And it's not, it shouldn't be a networking thing. Like it shouldn't be a, I'm going to go to this jam and I'm going to make a hang with these people because I know that they're doing this thing. And maybe if I like become friends with them, then I'll be able to go do this thing because people, people see through that. It, yeah. It's, it's about building genuine relationships with people, the people that you like, people that you connect with and, and, being just a good, reliable friend. When you do get those opportunities, mm-hmm. you show up prepared. You're on time. Your gear works. You know the parts. You're reliable. You know all of those things matter. When you're on the road, you're easy to live with. You are not causing problems. You're not making everyone late. You're not a slob. Like all of these shower. Things, yeah, you shower, <laughs> which is a thing. Like um, all of these things matter. They all matter. Yeah. And um, if you want to do this, you want to take this seriously, that's all part of it. It's not just, you know, knowing your triads or whatever. That's right. Pro gear, pro attitude. Hey, man. <laughs> Brought to you by your friends here at Dipton Tone, brother. Well. Well. Now we shall. Now we'll shill. Now we shall shill. I got to take a picture of mine because it's already, like, hooked up. Okay. Well, I'll go first. So, you called this Tony the Tiger. And I said the Tony the Tiger burst. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, now, well, now I've, I've, I've just started calling it Tony the Tiger. Um, I got this a while back. I don't, I've not shown this on the pod yet. No. Um, this is my Paul's guitar. It's a 2022 10 top. This was at Groon's. And, um, man, I absolutely adore this guitar i know that you <laughs> aesthetically did not but hand to god when you started playing this on the on the prs video that we did together the the tone that came from this in comparison to the to your last paul it was just like it was exactly what i wanted this guitar to do the taut low end the perfect balance string to string and i i just i genuinely think uh you know i'm not a huge fan of the the coil splits um, they work, but I, I'm not over the moon about it. But I think as an instrument, this guitar is 
absolutely crazy. And you know what's funny? Before we did the thing at Carter, and we I've gotten some messages about this, asking what kind of videos you want to see from me, and people said no more PRS content, which is like what? Just like <laughs> who who cares? You know, if you don't like it, move along. But um, I, I love this guitar. I mean, look, I I understand. I aesthetically, it hurts to look at for me. <laughs> it does not. You're <laughs> exaggerating. It's it's kept me up at night knowing that oh, I've been in the same room as that thing. Um, no, I I think I said this in the video. I was like, yes, that is a great guitar. Objectively, it's a great guitar. It is. It's mm-hmm. it does that thing. It does that super hi-fi thing and i'm happy that you have it and i'm genuinely i'm not fucking around i'm happy that you have it and i'm happy that it makes you like all all you know giddy inside when you look at it um and you get look at it and just think to yourself it's great (laughs) all right anyways Uh, but i just didn't it didn't do it for me like that's fine. It's fine. It's fine. And, and, and it's funny. This, this, that whole video has led to so many conversations and so many people saying, why didn't you bring Red a DGT? Surely he I've would like a DGT. Him. It's like, him. yeah, it's not about that. It's not about like, oh, he didn't play the right guitar. It's just that you know, not everybody likes this stuff, but I like it. But so it here's matter. the thing, though. Here's the thing. It's, that is unique to PRS, okay? And I don't think this is necessarily anything that PRS themselves did or Paul did. I think it's just sort of the character and, and the way the cookie has crumbled with PRS owners. They're kind of the Tesla of the guitar world. Like, they're, they're like you, you kind of have... It's not like... No, 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 no. For no, you, 40 years, No, no, though, no. Yeah. I don't mean in terms of, like, what they make or what they do. I'm talking about in terms of their fan base. And it's not everybody. You know, not everyone who drives a Tesla is like a Tesla bro, right? But there yeah. are Tesla bros that live and die by the brand. And there's PRS bros that live and die by the brand because I know, I see them in my comment sections. Anytime I talk about PRS and I share my opinion of their guitars, not their amps, I do genuinely love their amps. The HDRX20 <laughs> kills, okay? But their guitars, I say, yes, they're great. They're very well made. They're amazing guitars that make me feel nothing when I play them. And it's consistent. Yeah. And then people are like, well, you're objectively wrong because you don't understand what a good guitar is. And if you did understand what a good guitar is, you would only play PRS like I only play PRS. And I've bought every right. PRS and I've, I've gotten ready of every single guitar that ever existed because PRS, PRS, PRS. And it just <laughs> and that's not you, no. thankfully. Um, but it well, they're but just I kind of the that, Tesla. I think that community exists world. all like the majority of people were bagging on them. I don't you see know. that when I talk about Telecasters or or even Les Pauls or or P bases or Gretsch or Strats, that it's only when PRS comes up these people come out of the woodwork. Well, I think I think maybe maybe there. I mean, every brand has a rabid community, but uh, I th- I'd say if you if you chose anyone outside the big two, um, there's definitely going to be people that if you seemingly attacked or disagreed or whatever. <laughs> okay. um, hold on, not, not hold that you on. attacked. I didn't, didn't attack, attack anybody. I'm just saying. Um, although I don't think they're cookie cutter. Every guitar, if it's made by a machine is, 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 is some sort of cookie cutter thing, but like, um, they're, they're, they're going to come out of the, the woodwork, you know, and be like, I just think, an idiot. I just think the the brand loyalty thing is weird to me. I think, you know, play what you want to play right. and like what you want to like. I, like I said, 
I said it in my video and I'll say it again here to your face. I'm genuinely happy that you have found those guitars and that they, they make you happy to play. Seriously, I'm not joking around. They're not my thing, but that's okay. Just because they're not my thing doesn't mean that they suck. And I, we no, can poke no. fun and we can joke, but they're, they're great guitars. I don't like them. And right. I'm not wrong for not liking them, just like you are not wrong for liking them. I don't like the idea of the PRS thing being like, yeah, they're all basically the same. They all feel the same. They all sound the same. You just go to the wall and pick your color. I, and I get the, the, I get the response that one, one like thing that I saw on our video was, Hey, I don't have the luxury of being able to go and play X amount of Les Paul to find my one. And I like right. the fact that I can go to any guitar store and grab any PRS. And I know that it's going to be great. Un yes, hundred percent. I, I hear you. And that is a valid thing. And I think that is, you should play PRS for that reason. Well, but I'm and, not, but that's but not to my that thing. end though. But the, the argument is, is not that, um, like you couldn't go, like if I went and bought an earlier Paul's guitar or went and played them, they wouldn't be the same. The same if like you, you went and played like a custom 24 from 1988 and played a new one, they're going to be different. Just like, you know, your guitar, your Les Paul is, you know, how is it? It's like 20 something years old now. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I feel like what they have done with the fact that you can go and consistently bank on, you could take to the bank that every guitar hanging on the wall, if it's the same model should be, um, within a very small percentage of one another. But that's like, that's the thing that every other brand is, is striving to do and can't, you know, and that's the thing that I think is. It, yeah. It's, but I don't care. Like right. I, to me, it's like, I don't care if, if, if Gibson or Fender or Novo can't make a guitar that's, that's that consistent because it's to me, I'm not worried about every other custom 24 or, or Saris J, I'm worried about my Saris J, and did I find the right Saris J or Les Paul for me? And right. that's that's what I'm after. I'm not worried about how consistent my Les Paul is compared to every other Les Paul that is on the market today. I don't give a shit because I found but, my but, Les Paul. No, I know, but like the the, the saying that like you know you're that like choose if going on the journey of finding the one for you is true for everything, even if these are all consistent, you know, because you'd still have to like find the one but anyway but no but no but no because the whole thing with prs is that it's there's and this is a big reason why john mayer switched to prs and again i understand i don't think it's a bad thing but knowing that he can just like walk into any store david grissom is the same way walk into any store and pick up any dgt off the wall and it's going to be do all the things he needs to do it's great i'm i understand it personally i don't like it i don't care about that you know i'm like I'm not a collector. I'm not, uh, you know, like we talked about yesterday, the vintage stuff. It, I, I, I just want a good tool. And right. when I find the right tool, I found the right tool. And I don't care that, you know, there's 50 other Les Pauls that all sound different than mine or whatever. It's just, <sighs> I do think that the PRS, like the fandom though, to me, it, it comes across as like, they're like the Tesla of the, and, and it's a very vocal minority of, of PRS owners, but dude, we're going to get it on this video. Now the <laughs> arguments in the comments about, you know, how every other brand is inferior because of PRS. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, don't, don't anyone think that I don't, Paul would not say that. <laughs> no, 
And that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, that's not. I don't. I'm not saying that of PRS as a company or Paul as a person. I'm saying that of like the culture of some PRS owners is is that way. Yeah. Okay. All right. My Bam. show. Okay. Blop. Plop. Oh, you got it in. Look at you. I didn't think you were going to do that. My God. I thought we were going to have to do this in post. Okay. So is. this happened yesterday at uh at Carter Drink. Mm-hmm. We were packing up to leave and I, I saw this thing walking in. I was like, oh, it looks like an old projector amp or something. And uh, talked to Noah up there at Carter. And I was like, hey, man, I really mm-hmm. want to play this. Can I kind of check this out? So he, he hooked it up for me. And I literally turned it on. I played three notes and said, yeah, I'm buying that. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is. And Carter doesn't know what it is or who built it. <laughs> it's The shell is an old Masco like projector amp or PA amp. It's got two microphone inputs and a phono input and a tone yeah. control. And they said that this guy came in who built it. He built a guitar amp out of it said like can you sell this thing and they said yeah and then i bought it and that's all i know about it it's 25 watts uh it sounds like a tweed amp on steroids it's got a ton of gain it does that low end thump thing that like big marshalls do which i don't know how he got out of a 25 watt amp the two volume controls are interactive um it's wicked yeah it's basically like a a tweed deluxe with the six l6s yeah yeah it's so. It's heavy bike, man. It'll it it's it'll get clean. Like I was playing around with it this morning, and it's got some nice clean tones, but really, it's it's a gainy amp. Um, yeah, and it was it was a good price, six hundred fifty bucks. I, I bought it, and um, it looks cool. cool. It's loud. Um, it seems well built. I, I might want to pull the chassis apart and look at it. Um, but right, yeah, man. Neat. If you know who well, built this is. amp, let me know. Someone send me an email because I'm genuinely curious. I'd like to talk to the person, whoever it was. Well, awesome. Well, before we go, we got to thank Sweetwater for sponsoring this episode of Dipped in Tone. Remember to go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. Check, the, check out their gear exchange. See all the, the fun used things, guitars, yep. pedals, amps, mics, cymbals. They got everything on there. Yeah, or if you got your eye on a new piece of gear that Sweetwater sells and you're looking to sell some stuff, you can uh, get a little ahead by selling your used gear there and uh, turn that into money that you can then use on Sweetwater. So That's right. Yeah, links all should- down below, all that stuff. Thanks to Sweetwater. Be sure to go to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> uh, sweetwater.com, Dipped in Tone. Thanks for sponsoring today's episode. Yes. And uh, also, Patreon. Yes. Like I said, join in while we are uh, taping live on our Discord. Links are down below. We've got... A, oh, God. we got a few different tiers now. Um, are we, we've we got merch on the way, right? Are we still... What's, where are we at with merch well, stuff? We do have a store. There'll be There should be a little uh, bar on the YouTube channel. Uh, with some of the merch and it should be linked in the comments uh, we're gonna be designing more things i have a shirt coming that that you rich are gonna love uh and uh be sure to subscribe the the youtube channel has been growing by leaps and bounds but it's been uh like every every person that subscribed just helps us just as much as as everything else does so like it subscribe it do the whole thing yep and if you're listening apple you know you can leave us a rating leave us a comment uh spotify all that stuff we really appreciate the support guys and uh We'll see you all real soon. Bye.